The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You're lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour on this Earth Day edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And we uh, turn our attention this hour to um, the rainforest, and in uh, particular... My guest this hour is from the Rainforest Trust. Her name is Leslie Van Sant, and she joins me by phone. Leslie, welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thanks so much for having me. Happy Earth Day. I've got, right off the bat, I want to ask about a couple of numbers um, that that I read that were astonishing. One is that the Rainforest Trust has safeguarded more than 34 million acres of vital habitat. That sounds like an incredible amount. Actually, it's inching closer and closer to 35 million. But yes, in our 34 years, we have protected that many acres of rainforest, tropical habitat. So um, we have marine protected areas. We have lowland rainforests. We have you know, places where species are endangered, we protect the land because once you protect the land, it's safe forever. The other number that was absolutely shocking, Leslie, was that, um, and this is this is a quote I believe from uh, uh, James Lewis, who is the Rainforest Trust Vice President of Conservation. He said last year, nearly one acre of forest was lost every second. That's a staggering number. I wish I could say that wasn't true, but it it is true. And you think about that, it's basically an area the size of Pennsylvania lost. Over the course of a year. Yes, over the course of a year. Um, 
now the 30... That's Pennsylvania. I grew up in Pennsylvania. I, I find that number to be staggering. I mean, because I think of Pennsylvania as a big state. It takes, you know, several hours to drive across it. You know, I grew up in Philadelphia, had family in Pittsburgh. So thinking of that drive across my home state and that area just being deforested, that's what this is. And what do we, what do we mean when we say deforested? So deforestation, it, it's, it's as ugly as it sounds. Where It's just cutting down trees, right? Cutting down trees, converting the land to some other use. And primarily in the tropics, that is for agriculture. So it's converting the land to pasture for cattle or converting land to um, soybean farms um, to create feed for animals. It's also, um, in different parts of the world, creating oil palm plantations, so palm oil, um, which is, you know, a substance that is found in so many things. And we think of, when we hear the phrase or or the word rainforest, we think of something tropical. Um, Is that the only place the rainforest exists, and why do we call it a rainforest and not, say, an oxygen forest? (laughs) Um, that's a good question. Well, so there are temperate rainforests. So in the United States, think of like Washington, the Pacific Northwest, Washington state has a lot of temperate rainforests. Um, but that's not where we work. We work in tropical rainforests because the temperate rainforests are beautiful, but they don't house as much life as a tropical rainforest. So tropical rainforests are called rainforests because they rain. There's a lot of rain. There's a lot of moisture and that's why they're called rainforests. Um, some of the rainforests, like in the Amazon, they, they have cycles where they'll be flooded for part of the year and then not flooded for other parts of the year. So there, there's a lot of water movement in and around a rainforest. And, and why is it por- important to um, protect that land? And why can't people that are developing, whether they're trying to create more land for farming uh, or for raising cattle or building high-rises. Aren't there other places that that can be done? Yes. I mean, you think about even in the United States, um, we talk about issues about development and, and, you know, can we reclaim areas where there's old development and, you know, sort of tear down that development and build new development. Sometimes it's about cost. You know, in some ways it seems to cost less on the front end to just develop new land as opposed to, dismantling and redeveloping on existing developed land. Um, but in the long run, that cost is manifold more um, when you develop, when you take away land and develop it, you can't take it back. It's harder to take it back. And, well, I'm glad, I, and a I'm forest, gl- like for example, a rainforest, Tom, yeah. rainforests have, har- harbor 50% of the world's life. So think invertebrates, plants, animals, birds, fishes, everything. 50% of the world's life is in a rainforest. When you cut down forest, you destroy the biodiversity that's found there. And you can't, while well, you can go back in and you could maybe replant trees and, and try to rebuild a forest, you can't rebuild the biodiversity. Once it's gone, it's gone. Something will come back, but it's not going to be the same that it was. And it's also interconnected, the biodiversity. Um, you know, there's pollinators, there's uh, species and, and, and things that, decay, that are, you know, part of the decay process 
um, the trees are growing and the animals that eat on the trees or, or feed off the trees, the birds, it's all interconnected. And then part of that with the rainforest obviously connects back to our life in North America. Um, you know, where I am in Virginia, we're just now starting to see the neotropical migrant bird species come back from the rainforest where they wintered. So if they don't have a place to winter, they're not going to be able to come back here for me to enjoy. I'm still scratching my head over uh, rainforests uh, holding 50% of the life on the planet. About what percentage of the planet um, geographically do rainforests take up? Oh, that's a tougher question. I mean, you think about the tropical belt and the land that's in between the Tropic of Cancer and the and the Tropic of Capricorn, and that's where you find rainforests. Unfortunately, you look at places like the Amazon where there's heavy rainforest, but when you chip away at that rainforest, it it makes a very it makes the climate very fragile. And many scientists believe that we're getting to the point where the Amazon will become savanna because we can't it, it can't hold its its climate together so when you convert the forest to to farmland you change the the microclimate so it's 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 robust but it's fragile and you look at places in for example Indonesia where you've the island of Borneo used to be completely forested and now um you know, it's not. It's like 25% of that rainforest remains, and it was a, an island that was completely rainforest. And when you said it would become savanna, I didn't understand the reference. So the rainforest, you know, we think of the rainforest. You, you, when I say the word rainforest to you, what image comes up in your mind, Tom? Um, soaked, wet tree leaves dangling, you know, uh, um, thick, dense forest. Right, so you think of the you think of like a jungle setting. So you think yeah. of flowers and trees and plants, and there's different levels of green around you, and the trees tower up very tall, and there's birds and primates and insects. You know, every there's noises. There's a lot of life happening in a rainforest. When you chip away at that, and you take away those trees, trees, and you take away that life, the water that was part of that cycle. So you have um, it, it goes away too. So then this becomes sort of a dry grassland as opposed to a, a rich, wet rainforest with all the species that it harbors. Okay. Okay. I just, when you use the phrase savanna or the word savanna, I just, I, I got no picture. <laughs> yeah. Like a grass, well, it's a grassland. It's, and it's not, you know, there are places where grasslands are and they, they are amazing um, biomes and ecosystems in and of their own, but it, it, we rely upon the balance and, you know, rainforests. When I was in school, in, in elementary school, I remember learning about the rainforest, that they were the lungs of the planet. And that's where all the carbon dioxide went to be stored and it was turned into oxygen. When we destroy the rainforest, we destroy that cycle. And, and that's the, uh, the danger that I equate with um, mm -hmm. that the rainforest, uh, rainforest um represents is that you know if if they're diminished and and diminished so significantly that there isn't enough oxygen being replenished in the atmosphere well it's that but it's also um when you take a forest and de and, and a forest goes through deforestation 
and the trees are destroyed and, and burned and the earth is moved, it releases the carbon that was stored there. So centuries worth of carbon can be released through the process of deforestation, so it, which only adds to the climate crisis. So it doesn't just and cut off the oxygen, it actually poisons the atmosphere simultaneously. And that's the balance that's been lost. So um, the rainforest used to be a car, you know, everyone would say, oh, the rainforest soak up, they sink up carbon, they, they soak it up and they, they store it. But when you have this deforestation gaining ground, the, the rainforests no longer become carbon positive. They become, you know, they start releasing more carbon than they actually store. I mean, there's different kinds of forests. And at Rainforest Trust, we've just lost, launched a new um, sort of a, a focus and a fund to protect specific types of high-impact forests. So this Rainforest, Rainforest Climate Action Fund will be funding projects that that we have identified that will protect three sort of important types of high-impact forests. The first being these forests that are on the deforestation frontier, so frontier forests. Think of places in the Amazon or in the Congo Basin where there's a line, and you can see it even looking on a, on a Google Earth map on the Internet, for example. You can see beautiful intact forests, and then you can see the 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 farms and the fields creeping up, 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 if you look at a comparison over time. And what happens is, you know, the trees are cut down and they're burned and this forest is turned up and then it becomes farmland or cattle land. Um, and it's not, it doesn't mean that the, the land becomes more productive. It's, it's, it's not sustainable. It can't be done that way. So there's frontier forests. And then we look at forests that we identify as being super sequesters. So these are mangroves mangroves and they store carbon at a higher rate because they're very wet so the carbon really sinks in and stays in the earth same for peat swamps um, and there's a lot of peat swamps in borneo for example um, in asia but when you dry peat and burn it it releases so much carbon and then the third type of forest that we look at are these sort of carbon vaults is what we call them they're forests that are very inexpensive to protect and they have a high level of carbon. They're not, um, the threats aren't as close to them for destruction, but by locking them up cheaply and, and permanently, we really will allow them to keep storing carbon and all the carbon that they've stored over centuries. So you have frontier forests and super sequesters and then um, carbon vaults. So this is what we're looking at as projects that we want to see and, and definitely focus on in the coming years. Well, I want to talk about uh, some more of those projects and uh, some of the things that you're suggesting uh, some of us mere mortals can do to, um, you know, help uh, in the, in the mm -hmm. uh, effort to save the rainforest. But I have to take a break here, Leslie. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Um, I am learning so much. This is a, a delightful conversation, Leslie. Thank you so much. If you're listening to us on WFOV 92.1 LPFM in Flint, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. Uh, we're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well, and then we'll return with Leslie Van Sant from the 
the Rainforest Trust right after this. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Hello. Speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. 
Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation about rainforests with uh, my guest this hour, Leslie Van Sant from the uh, Rainforest Trust. Leslie, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Hey, thanks, Tom. You know, I was listening to the ads, and um, one of the first one was about the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. And that, you know, I want to make sure that people are connecting the dots. The global pandemic... um, you know, when we've looked around, scientists have looked around and they're determining the cause of the coronavirus. These novel coronaviruses exist in nature. Um, when we get too close to them and we don't give nature space, they cross over to species. So our deforestation is one of the causes of the COVID-19 pandemic. And we need to be mindful of that. You know, a way to stop the next pandemic is to save forests. And we were talking about some of the damage in the last segment, um, some of the mm-hmm. damage and and sort of getting a grip on, on how much damage is occurring to the rainforests. And, and I want to talk this segment about things that we can do to to curb that and, and how much will there is to do that. Um, but first, is there... Is there an amount of rainforest that needs to exist that can combat our bad behavior? So, again, the science now, um, science agrees that we should be protecting 30% of the earth for nature or half of the earth for nature. And if we do that, then our species, humans, can enjoy a, a life as as we know it. I can still so, drive around um, in an SUV. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think you know that there are things that we there there's choices we make, Tom. And I you know the climate crisis can be overwhelming, right? It feels like I'm just one little person. What's my impact? Right. But being aware of the things that we can all do in our own lives, it doesn't mean you have to change your life completely, but, you know, if you're driving your big SUV, maybe you drive into town and instead of driving from store to store, you park and you walk from store to store, do your errands and come back to the big SUV. Um, Or you, you know, carpool with friends. And so instead of everyone driving their own big SUV to a place, you go together. Um, So, you know, you have to think about these things and make choices. And, you know, it's, it's, it's behavior change, but it's, it's little choices. And, you know, they might seem hard at first, but when you think about them, they're really not. You know, it, as, as long as we touched on uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic, for a lot of people, it seems like life had, has come almost to a halt for the last uh, year and a half. Um, mm-hmm. Has it had any impact on, on slowing deforestation at all? Um, no. In fact, we've seen deforestation rates go up um, in, in 2019 and 2020, um, which is, it, it's, you know, pe- there are people who are able to go out and start, you know, staking claims and, and, and do things with like deforestation when no one was watching. And 
the you know law abiding people who are are going to be law abiding and then the people who are going to take opportunities or people who you know like for example in a rainforest po- people who are poaching livestock or or animals not livestock but wild animals from a rainforest they're not necessarily law abiding people so they don't care if the government says don't go out because of covid <laughs> <laughs> right. So you right. have to look at that. So, but we have seen an increase in, during the pandemic, unfortunately. Um, but we are also we've also seen an increase from our partners um, taking advantage and and m- keeping our projects on track. I mean, last year we saved more than um, four million acres, and 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 it's been an incredible. We've seen projects come together and be protected. It was it was fantastic. Now there are some suggestions that the rainforest trust is is making on how people can do some of those little things that might make a big difference but before we get to that i want to give you an opportunity to talk about the special fund that the rainforest trust has set up for earth day okay thank you so much um we have launched a new fund it's called the rainforest climate action fund and we actually have um an opportunity to match people's gifts to this fund um, up to the first $920,000. We will match it dollar for dollar. Gifts to this project will be spent on our important conservation work, so projects that protect those types of forests, the high-impact forests, the frontier forests, the super sequesters, um, the carbon vaults. Um, They will be used towards those, those types of projects 100%. That's what's special about Rainforest Trust. Um, when you make a donation to Rainforest Trust, whether it's our Conservation Action Fund or our new Rainforest Climate Action Fund, or even to a specific project, your gift goes to our important conservation work. So um, it does not fund our administrative or fundraising costs. Some people choose to do that by selecting general support, but the majority of those costs are um, we supported by our board, who raises money amongst our board to cover those administrative costs. So that when you give, Tom, for example, to Rainforest Trust, you can feel good knowing that 100% of your gift goes to conservation work unless you choose to give it to general support. And that it'll be doubled by the match because I don't think I'd be able to exceed the $920,000 cap. Well, it would be great if you could, but (laughs) yes, we'll be doubling, we'll be matching dollar for dollar all gifts to the Rainforest Climate Action Fund up to the first $920,000 and um, we just are so excited by this opportunity to now, are you sure that have people have the impact. Are you sure that's 920000 and not 92000 It's 920000 Wow. Because I was looking at some mm-hmm. notes and it said matching, you know, one-to-one up to 100000 We got an incredible gift um, wow. someone who really believes in our work. And that person said, I, I want to give to this new fund and I want other people to give because saving our climate, saving rainforests is really important. And Rainforest Trust, you have such a great record of being able to be focused on protecting land and you've really just stayed true to your mission. I really want to support that. So they gave a very significant gift to hopefully inspire others to do the same. It, it's interesting that they picked nine, 920000 and not a million. I'd love to see the math on that. But anyway, <laughs> um, but speaking of math, um, 
Are, mm-hmm. are we on a timeline where if we don't start doing little things to make big differences, um, it will be too late? Uh, that is what science says. We need to really all pull together. This is, you know, we can all do little things. We all need to do little things because if a million people do little things, that really adds up. And then organizations like Rainforest Trust, we need to keep focused on our work of saving tropical habitat and rainforest. Um, corporate, the corporate, indus- corporate and industry, they need to do their part in making sure that they're doing sustainable corporate practices. Sustainability, it, it needs to be how we approach life. It, it, it's not hard. Um, you just have to make a, the choice to be sustainable. So, um, you know, we, you've, you mentioned that we have a list of things that we're suggesting that people can do yeah. um, that will make a difference. And, you know, recycling, it really does make a difference. And when you think recycling, also think reusing. So um, my, um, I was with my mom this weekend, and we were doing some spring gardening. And she has, you know, people have pots. They put flower pots out on their patios or decks at this time of year. She has some very big pots. And what she said to me was, I had to put so many plastic bottles in those. And I said, why did you do that, Mom? And she said, because it keeps the soil, it has better drainage in the pots. It doesn't let the soil get so compacted. So here she's reusing plastic water bottles in a way that I hadn't even thought. But it's brilliant. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a tremendous idea. Um, but you also talk but about. Go ahead. No, you go, go, go. I, I was just, I was just going to move on to the next one on the list, where you talk about cutting down food waste, and it's, it's amazing that thirty to forty percent of the food supply is wasted every year. It is amazing, isn't it? Um, you know, but food waste. I. I I know that in my local community during the pandemic, our, our food pantry was really, and still remains to be, people are hungry. So it's, it, it, it always makes me feel badly to think that we waste, and yet there are still people who are hungry. And so being mindful of your food and, and what you really need versus, you know, making too much. And also I think um, going along with that is are you – buying sustainable food products. You know, the shop local is really tremendous and important in regards to food production, um, supporting your local farmers and your local food producers as opposed to food that comes from miles and miles away on a plane. Um, so making sure of your food choices. Another thing that um, some of us at the office do is, you know, many of, you know, some people choose to be vegetarian, uh, but other people choose to be vegetarian in their household for you know five days a month so it's not every day that they're being vegetarian but they're eating less meat by consciously making the choice to say okay we're going to be vegetarian on five days a month and some some doctors would probably say that's healthier for you um, but it's also healthier for the planet and then you talk about um, you know maybe using food that that um rather than wasting it, using it as uh, compost uh, material. Exactly. I mean, create, if you're a home gardener, even, um, if, even if you live in um, an apartment or something, many apartment complexes will have 
you can suggest a compost area because that compost is just amazing earth for your flower pots and gardens. So creating compost is fantastic. And for those of you that have chickens, chickens are incredible. They devour leftover food like crazy. Really? That's yes, interesting. Yes, I have a flock of chickens. I, mm -hmm. I, I would have, I, I wouldn't have known that. Um, you know, I, I would have thought you'd have to have pigs or goats or something to use. So I, that you way. know, I know I'm a backyard chicken. I have a backyard chicken flock, and I know a lot of people. That's become kind of a fun hobby for folks where they can. But um, you know, if I make a salad at my household and we don't eat it all, the chickens eat it, and they love it. Wow, I didn't know that. That's that's amazing. We we used to have chickens, but then we moved to a place where they're not allowed, so we had to give up the the chickens. But um, and my chickens love it when I make lasagna, and we don't eat all of that. <laughs> they love pasta too. <laughs> pasta eating chickens. Well, I you know you learn know. something every day, Leslie. Um, but you also talk mm -hmm. about buying sustainable food products, and I'm not sure exactly what you mean by that. So by buying sustainable food products, it's a couple of things. First, it's about, you know, eating locally. So think about your local farmer's market or even our local supermarket here. Um, they'll say this is, um, they put stickers on it, you know, grown in this in my county, you know, Fauquier County. Or they'll say um, our, our local su suppliers and they list a bunch of farms in the tri-state area so that I know that my food is coming from, you know, because Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, it's coming from those areas. Um, but also, when you're purchasing food, looking at it to say, um, you know, I love, you know, snack food just as much as the next person. But making sure that the choices I make for snack food contain sustainable palm oil is an important choice for me now. So I like to make sure that I'm um, not just, you know, just being aware of what's in the food that you're buying and where do those pro where do the materials for the food that you're buying come from because there is sustainably sourced palm oil and sugar and asking you know your food suppliers to do that is, is a good way to to help the environment i'm not even sure i would know how to check for some of those things and and also i wonder sometimes if how much we can trust the labeling is that can we trust the labeling is it being properly uh, supervised and regulated I think when you look at organically sourced foods and when they have the organic label but you know looking understanding labels and reading labels is important I know it's hard I know that I take my reading glasses into the supermarket with much greater <laughs> frequency now so I can read the very fine print and then make a choice and say do I need this or should I should I buy something else that is, you know, uh, my mother always said, if, if you don't know what it is, maybe you shouldn't be eating it. Well, and so that's, you think about the ingredients that you read and say, hmm, do I really know what that is? Do I want to eat it? Yeah, would I use these things to make food for myself? Um, mm -hmm. But that's, and that's one of the, uh, one of the other things, um, actually, it, it kind of bumps up against, uh, two of the other points out of out of seven recommendations and that's uh supporting eco uh, or eco-friendly companies and staying informed 
and obviously yeah. reading labels is part of that. Staying reading labels is part of that. And, you know, as consumers, we have tremendous power with our pocketbooks. And you don't have to be the richest person to execute that power. Um, you know, about three years ago, I made a choice. I made a New Year's resolution, Tom, and it was just a little step. Maybe it was four years ago. I said, I'm not going to use plastic bags at the store anymore. Um, so I have bags that I take in and out of the grocery store and, um, or any store for that matter. I'll take them in, and instead of getting a, a plastic bag, I put my groceries or purchase products into bags that I carry in and around with me. Um, it's, it, it, it's a little thing, but I feel much better about it, and there's much less waste at my house because I don't have millions of plastic bags coming from the stores that I shop at. Um, I also make a choice to, again, purchase locally. I support a local CSA for some of my vegetables. Um, I support um, some of my local farmers where I, I source my meat products. Um, you know, and I, and for, this might be harder for some people in different places, but understanding the companies that you are shopping from, you know, they have a website. Um, you can look at different reports so you can you know, remember how um, everyone used to get the Consumer Reports magazine yeah. back in the day? There's information like that where it's 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 not biased, it's it's consumer driven and read up on things, you know, stay informed, be aware, understand the impact and of your choices and, and on the planet and on you and, and that's how you can be a really powerful force. Okay, so if you don't have bags you can take to the grocery store or what you buy exceeds the bag you've taken, um, mm -hmm. what's what's the official Rainforest Trust position? Paper or plastic? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a tough one. There's, you know, in my community, yeah, in my community, there's a company near me called Trex, and they take those plastic bags and they turn them into um, playground material. Um, but paper, uh, I take paper bags and I reuse them and use them for crafts and they can be recycled. But the other thing is, you know, we talked about food wasting, right? So if I bring in my six bags, should I really be taking out that much stuff? No, well, that's a fair point. Mm-hmm. Granted, I mean, when you're shopping for a big holiday celebration or, you know, maybe you have more things. But I think, you know, I, I tend to, you know, go to the store and get smaller bits of grocery shopping than sort of larger. And then you so talk I can fit it into my bags and carry it out. Well, that's and that's one way of uh, limiting the amount of food you buy. Um, and and of course, uh, it depends on how often you uh, you shop too. Yeah, I mean, people, you have to do you. The, the most important thing here, Tom, is this: you need to make choices that are right for you personally and for your family, that are going to be meaningful for you and your family. And what's right for my family might not be the same choice that you would make for your family. But if we're all cognizant and aware and saying we have a choice where we can be better for our planet or not i'm you know making some choices that are better for the planet is really the most important thing and and then you talk about uh donating to the right organizations if you can if you're in a position to help out and you're inclined to help out how 
how do people find out um, what the right organizations are? Well, again, you know, the Internet has a lot, you know, organizations like mine, Rainforest Trust, we have a website, and you can learn about our work by visiting rainforesttrust.org. But, you know, I, as, a, as a philanthropist, and I like to give to charity too, I will often, um, you know, look at the missions of the charity, and I'll, I'll, I'll corroborate information by looking at a, an, outside navig- an outside evaluator like Charity Navigator and say, who's using the money the best? And I think if you go to a website and um, the impact is clear to you then, and it communicates to your heart, then you should support it. So I obviously support Rainforest Trust, but I also support um, a local um, land conservation in my, my area in Virginia, so helping local parts of my state be conserved. Um, so, it, you know, looking at the website, understanding the mission, is this impact that you believe in, is it, do you feel like you can be a part of it? And at Rainforest Trust, we really try to help people understand our impact and that you know, everyone has impact with us because we do run very efficiently. We do keep our costs really low. Um, and because your gift will go 100% to conservation work instead of also funding our, our fundraising and admin costs. Where in uh, Virginia, Leslie? We are about 55 miles west of Washington, D.C. Our office is located in Warrington, Virginia. Okay. Um, and... Warrington is in Fauquier County, Virginia. Northern Fauquier County is an amazing place because so much of the land has been put into voluntary conservation easement. So I I feel so good knowing that in 100 years it's going to look pretty much the same. Well, I just just ask because uh, my oldest daughter and and her husband and kids are homesteading uh, in Virginia near... um, fairly near Quantico. Oh, nice, nice. That's not too far from Warrington. Well, it's, it's, I can't believe how fast this conversation has gone, Leslie, but it is about time to wrap up. But I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about uh, uh, the Rainforest Trust and, and if you have uh, some resources that you'd like to share um does the trust of course the trust has a website but would you like to share we do it's rainforest trust all one word dot org so rainforesttrust.org and my guest is leslie van sant and and what is your position with the rainforest trust i never did look so, that up I am Vice President of Philanthropy, Okay. so I have the wonderful job of talking to all of our supporters and learning about what's important to them and sharing our wonderful programs and projects uh, with our supporters, so people who might be interested in a specific bird or they want to save the planet or they love um, lemurs or sloths or some animal or some people even are really crazy about frogs that live in the rainforest. and. I I just feel so lucky being able to talk to people who are passionate about conservation and passionate about nature. And nature is just an amazing re- resource. So I hope that people will come to rainforesttrust.org and check out our website and check out our projects. And they shouldn't hesitate to, you know, send us a question or contact me if they have questions. I'm happy to answer them. Well, Leslie Van Sant, I feel lucky to be able to talk with you. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tom, so much. And have a wonderful Earth Day. Take care. 
More straight hey. ahead. <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods. And in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. 
MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Hello, mother. Hello, father. Here I am at Camp Granada. Camp is very entertaining And they say we'll have some fun if it stops raining I went hiking with Joe Spivey He developed poison ivy You remember Leonard Skinner He got ptomaine poisoning last night after dinner All the counselors hate the waiters And the lake has alligators And the head coach wants no sissies So he reads to us from something called Ulysses Now I don't want this should scare you But my bunkmate has malaria You remember Jeffrey Hardy They're about to organize a searching party Take me home, oh mother father, take me home. I hate Granada, don't leave me out in the forest where I might get eaten by a bear. Take me home, I promise I will not make noise or mess the house with other boys oh please don't make me stay i've been here one whole day (laughs) dearest father darling mother how's my precious little brother let me come home if you miss me I would even let Aunt Bertha hug and kiss me Wait a minute It stopped hailing Guys are swimming Guys are sailing Playing baseball Gee, that's better Mata Fada, kindly disregard this letter This was another Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
Picture to my chest, and I feel fine. It's a rainy night in Georgia. Huh. 
Such a rainy night in Georgia And I feel like it's raining all over the world I feel like it's raining all over the world Rainy night in Georgia I feel like it's raining all over the world Old-fashioned radio for a new generation Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com Well, that wraps it up for this Earth Day edition of the Tom Sumner Program. I want to say thanks to all my guests, Leslie Van Sant from the uh, Rainforest Trust. Also uh, talking to from uh, the UK and uh, the PETA Foundation there, their Senior Vice President of International Affairs, Purva Jashapura was in the uh, second hour of our three-hour tour. And we started out this morning talking electric vehicles with the executive editor for Auto Trader, Brian Moody. And uh, as I said, that, uh, that wraps it up for today's Earth Day edition of the Tom Sumner Program. It's the 51st Earth Day. But uh, join us tomorrow for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program right here at uh, TomSumnerProgram.com and uh, simulcast on... Our Voices Radio, WFOV 92.1 FM in Flint. Uh, tomorrow is going to be kind of fun. Fridays we try and turn the spotlight on uh, the world of entertainment. And coming up in the 11 o'clock hour tomorrow, the wife of uh, Murdoch Mysteries star, uh, Chantel Bisson, is going to talk about her book and being a celebrity wife and parent and entrepreneur. Should be a good one. Good night, everybody. Sumner program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. 
Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening. 